0: If you're looking for one of the most beautiful and playable custom acoustics on the planet, look no further than Ed Rice at Ear Guitars. Ed is a true artist, transforming exotic woods into magnificent, sweet sounding instruments. Go to ToeirGuitars.us, that's T O I R G U I T A R S.us, and contact Ed today. Hey, I want to take a minute to tell you about our free giveaway. Thanks to our friends at Four Gate Whiskey, we'll be giving away their batch 16 seven-year rye whiskey that's finished in a para sherry cask imported from Australia. I have no idea if that word is pronounced correctly, a para, but that's what it is. If you have not tried Four Gate Whiskey and you call yourself a whiskey lover, you need to get in the know and go out and get yourself a bottle now. All you need to do to enter is follow Top Hill Recording at 4 Whiskey on Instagram. Subscribe to One Shot, One Mic, One Song on YouTube. And then email Top Hill Recording at Gmail that you've done those things and that you are over 21. Do it today.
1: Hey, everybody. Brad and I want to say thank you for listening and thank you for the support. Please
0: continue to listen and share this podcast on all platforms that you can. And if you'd like to support us monthly, we're set up now where you can go to anchor.fm slash top recording, hit the support button, ninety-nine cents, four ninety-nine or nine ninety-nine per month. Any amount would be greatly appreciated. now back to the podcast. Here recording podcast episode ninety four. What's going on, Neil? What's up, man? How you doing? Been a good day, man.
1: It's been a good tomorrow's day. Tomorrow's
0: Friday. It's December
1: and it's uh, it was like sixty something degrees out there today. man. You know,
0: I always wonder if we throw listeners off, like I just said. Tomorrow's Friday, but when this podcast comes out, it's going to be Friday. I don't even think about that.
2: This <laughs> first time, of of
0: literally the first time I thought about it. Well, man, I'm excited about tonight. We've got oh, yeah. Carl stuck with us. Welcome, Carl.
2: Yeah, hi, hi guys. How are you? I'm good. good.
0: Man. And man, would you bring us here? Uh, you'll have to tell me because I'm <laughs> <the older>. Elijah. <laughs> man. Elijah Craig. Elijah Craig. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's one of our favorites. <laughs> yeah, dude. I was just saying. Say that I, again.
1: I need this one. Uh, so Jackson got his driver's license today.
0: So oh yeah, it's
1: time for a drink.
0: So is he a good driver or a bad driver? Is this your son? Yeah, it's
1: a uh, my my oldest son, and he's not
0: terrible. But he's new. But he's 16, dude. Yeah. He's 16, so he's, he's
2: not terrible. Daddy needs a bourbon. <laughs> oh, cheers, 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 man. fellas. Cheers,
1: girl. Yeah. Cheers, All right. Hmm.
0: Elijah Craig never disappoints. I mean, dude, there's no you don't get any of that. No, it's good <laughs> it's stuff. It's so good. Well, you know, he's been making bourbon longer than anybody on the planet, right? I guess you got to get it right. I, I think. uh I think that's what they say, Elijah <laughs> Craig. Like. Made the first bourbon or something. He was a preacher, if I remember right. I think you're right. Yes. Yeah. 1478. Brother Elijah. Brother, Brother Elijah, <laughs> he, he can us, you bring he, me some of the spirits? <laughs> <laughs> he did us good. <laughs> he did. He did, man. <laughs> All right, Carl, well, why don't you get us going? We'll ask you to go back early in your memory banks and share with us your first memories of music and then, you know, at what point, did you make that turn and realize music
2: was going to be a huge part of your life? It's so hard for me to say because I'm so old that uh, <laughs> it's hard for me to remember that far back.
3: Um, <laughs> I hear
2: you. you? I can give you a handful of memories. Like one of the very first things I remember is loving Elvis Presley. Mm. Oh, yeah. Um, and I remember uh, when Elvis Presley died. That's for whatever reason that made me want to be a musician. I don't, mm. I don't know why.
1: Oh, wow. Um, the death of Elvis made you want to play, start playing music. Yeah.
2: What year did Elvis die? 77. That's like a tribute, man.
1: That's some type of tribute to how much you liked Elvis, even as a little kid. Like, I
2: loved him. I, I mean, I was a tiny little kid, too. Uh-huh. Um, I could barely walk, but I remember when he died, I was like, I want to I be a rock star, you know?
1: Uh, Somebody had to fill those shoes, man. So were your
2: parents <laughs> big uh, Elvis fans? You know, my parents are not super huge music fans, period. I mean, they don't dislike music or anything, but they were just not they're not like me
0: so you didn't hear Elvis all the time around the house or anything? not really
2: They, uh, my dad had a, a very small handful of records and my mom had some 45s Elvis 45s but they didn't it's not like they listened to him all the time you know? um, yeah so it wasn't that I don't really know why I loved Elvis so much I don't I have no clue well, he's a king he's king man <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh, but that made me uh, that made me want to play music and uh, I remember my mom for some reason I wanted to play drums before anything so my mom got me this little bug didn't button. we all <laughs> <laughs> little Bugs Bunny drum set, and uh, I promptly took the sticks like hammers and uh, poked holes through the heads. Um, <laughs> You're so, one of those kids. So <laughs> they were unplayable after day two, you know? <laughs> and uh, that was that for a while. And then... Um, no more instruments for Carl. No more. <laughs> Until I was probably 14 years old, maybe, and I wanted to play guitar because of ACDC.
1: Oh, yeah. Seriously, oh, yeah, no. dude.
2: So, ACDC made me want to play guitar.
1: What a great band, honestly, to, for that to be your, the, the band that, went, that made you want to play guitar because it's when you break it down to basics, it's so simple. It's three it's or four. Playable. Cool. It's playable as a yep. kid. Yeah, for sure. That wants to start.
2: Huh. How old did you say you were? I think 14? I was about 14. Okay. And my mom got me guitar lessons. Uh, and this guy, his name was John Kramer. I still remember. A place called Night Music Center. And, uh, so I took guitar lessons from this guy and after about, I don't know, six weeks, maybe my mom came to the lesson and John said, uh, he's not practicing. You're wasting your money. Oh. So she, so she pulled me out of, uh, out of guitar lessons and I didn't play again for a couple of more years. Wow. And then, uh, and then I started again and that time it stuck. So.
0: I think must have had plenty of business. You know. he, yeah. He must have <laughs> no, Well, sure.
2: you know, it's funny <laughs> that you say that because I've been on the other side now. I've taught guitar. And I understand you don't like to be a babysitter.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, I could see where I'd be frustrating. You know, you give somebody something to
2: do and then they come back the next week and they haven't improved they have a bit. It. Yep. Yeah. I had a kid that I thought was going to be like my Steve Phi. He was like day one, lesson one, he could switch chords like from a G to a D, which is like not, and, so, not something most students can do on day one. Yeah. You can learn the chord shapes, but to switch between them, it takes... It takes some muscle memory. Oh, yeah. well, this kid got it in the first 15 minutes and I was like, oh, this, this kid's going to be my ticket, man. <laughs> and, uh, and he had our lessons and I would show him. He, he came every single week and it was obvious that he hadn't practiced anything because he never improved. Uh. Yeah. And it was uh, very disheartening.
0: Uh,
2: <laughs> and you're probably telling him, "Look, guy, you can, you got it. You could be good." I try. Well, I blame myself. I'm like, I'm not making it interesting enough. So I tried every week to try something different to make him interested. I'm like, "What songs do you like? What kind yeah. of music do you like?" So I teach him a country song that he named. You know, um, it just none of it stuck. So
1: wow, how does
2: Are there students that surprise you
1: that you're like, I didn't think this was going to lead to you being an actual? pretty decent musician. I, I didn't
2: do it long <laughs> enough to know because every time I've taught, I've gotten frustrated and then I'll lose students and then I'll gain students and then I'll lose some more students. Nobody stuck around long enough and so I finally just gave it up. Oh, no, like, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. It's too frustrating.
1: It, it's one of those things though, if, you know, like you at 14, you weren't ready, you didn't want to do it, but it's... What, do you know what switched for you?
0: I have no idea. Really? No idea. Did you ever have adult students? I did, yes. And was it the same there too? It's better. A little better, yeah. Ad-
2: adults, I think because adults are paying their own money, mm-hmm. they know that, you know, they're accountable. They're like, I don't want to spend this 30 bucks or whatever it was per lesson. Yeah. You know, if I'm not going to get anywhere, you know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: And time. I mean, dude, just to have 30 minutes to an hour to dedicate to that and the drive there and, and then pay for it. Adults know what they're getting into, I think.
0: I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So what point did you uh, first start playing publicly? Maybe not, not not even, you know, I'm not even talking paid gigs or things. I just, was six, just where you play for
2: people. 16 years old. I was 16 years old. Uh, I was in a band called Mr. Hyde and we played at a place called, if I'm not mistaken, it was called the Family Billiard Club or Family Billiard World, something like that. It was out off Preston Highway in Louisville and uh, it was my very first band and we played everything at like thrash metal speed. <laughs> Even though it wasn't thrash metal, but we played everything super fast because I was super nervous. Uh, oh yeah, but I still have a dollar hanging on the wall from that gig. Really? Right? Oh first. yeah, mm-hmm.
0: that's cool. Heck yeah, that is awesome. Fifteen yep. <laughs> years old, you were in high school out playing. Yep. So, All right, Eight so gigs. was it a, a typical, a bunch
1: of your buddies and and uh, not much else, loud music and a good time? Or was it? Or were you playing for a built-in audience or anything like that?
2: I think because we, uh, because of the age we were, we all had a ton of friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they would all come to the gig. Like, I got more people to come to my gigs then than I do yeah. now, you know? <laughs> Hell yeah. Man. And I'm actually okay now. And I was pretty bad then. You know? <laughs> uh, but yeah, you grow out of your crowd if you don't like. <laughs> no. no kidding. So once everybody starts marrying off and having kids and nobody comes to see you play anymore, they're your friends, you know?
0: Yeah, they're, they're occupied. Mm hmm. <laughs> <laughs> when you started out with Mr. Hyde
2: were you uh, singing and playing guitar or? I just played guitar okay that for a long long time I only played guitar um, never considered myself a singer uh, mostly I think because all the music that I liked when I was young was hard rock and they all sang high like oh yeah show. yeah you know I wanted Brian be, Johnson I, you know I wanted to be you know I wanted a singer like David Coverdale or somebody <laughs> that could you know Kip Winger or somebody that sang really high and like uh, but I didn't have that. So I never sang. I never wanted to sing. I always wanted to meet the guy that was going to be my David Lee Roth, my <laughs> Eddie Van Halen, you know?
3: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um,
2: How long did you stay at 16 once you picked it back
1: up at 16? Yeah, uh, till now. I mean, as far as like in the lessons.
2: Oh, gosh. Um, I'm not sure. I don't I don't honestly remember that. Uh, the guy I took from Next, his name is Tom Browning. And he still plays around town in... Uh, Oh, gosh. What's his band called? They they played like every Sunday for 20 years at Gerstle's.
1: Um Not the Pranksters.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. The Pranksters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Right on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Tom. Uh, real long-haired. He okay. has kind of Ted Nugent hair. Um, so, he was my next guitar teacher. And what he did that was really good was he sort of taught me how to teach myself. Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Um,
1: Kind of training your ear type of stuff.
2: And uh, to me, that's the most important thing about being a musician is training your ear. Oh yeah. Uh, It's not about where you put your fingers or how you, your your physical technique. It's about hearing what you want to, you know, so that if you can hear right, you can, you can train the rest of the stuff. You can develop enough to be able to make your hands do what you hear. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, I hope I get there someday.
2: Well, even if you can. (laughs) I'm still trying. (laughs) Well, once you find it, man, it's like, you know,
1: it doesn't have to be, especially just at the beginning of that process, just learning how to find the key or find where we're at. You don't necessarily, if it's a, you know, some type of ad nine or something, you don't have to play that. You can play the the root chord and just to get your ear trained to where you need to go. And that alone probably expanded your uh, musicality in major ways, just ear training.
2: I mean, it's important to me. It's, yeah. It's if I'm good at anything, it's I have a good ear.
1: Yeah.
0: So at what point did you decide that that music was going to be the way way you made your living? You're going to be a professional musician full time. Uh,
2: it's just what I did. I think when I was probably I'm trying to remember how old I was when I joined my first road band, I think I was 18 years old. Or no, I wasn't. I was 20 years old. I was 20 years old and I joined a band that was on the road. They played six nights a week. So I was working, I was a stock boy at a grocery store and I quit my stock boy job because I couldn't maintain a job being, you know, in Michigan for mm-hmm. six days or whatever. Um, And so I did that. I was in that band. That band was called Nobody Knows.
0: So you guys were touring like regionally?
2: We went from everywhere from Grand Rapids, Michigan to uh, Panama City Beach, Florida. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um...
0: I can imagine you get a lot better playing six nights a week.
2: Well, you can imagine it.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's not true.
2: (laughs) That's not true. I honestly don't know. I think it's really hard to gauge whether or not you're better than, because I don't really feel like I'm any better now than I was five years ago, but I hope I am. Yeah. And it would probably take, it's sort of like when you look in the mirror every day, when you brush your teeth, you don't see changes in yourself. But when you don't see somebody for a year and they see you, they go, "Oh my gosh, you look yeah. different now." Mm. Uh, it's this, I think it's the same with playing.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It's definitely a slow growth process for sure. So I'm sure I'm sure if somebody saw you that band, had, you know, when you were twenty and touring, like you said, a year later, they'd be like, "Holy shit, man! You guys, how many gigs have you played? You played three hundred times this year because yeah, yeah. you can tell. You can't. It's almost you can't. You can't play that much without." exponentially getting better as a a group and and really individually because I think you learn to listen in situations like that.
2: I don't know if I agree with that. (laughs) I've known some guys who've played for an awful long time who don't seem to get any better. (laughs) I'm not naming names either. That's when you you stop.
0: (laughs) You
1: know, you just do it for the fun. Have you ever
0: read the book Outliers? It's been years. Do you remember... I think, it was, I think it was Outliers where they talked about the Beatles. You know, that he, he had that whole, uh, I can't remember the author's name, that whole idea of 10,000 hours makes mm-hmm. you an expert yeah, yeah. in something. And he talked about the Beatles, I think. It's either the Beatles or the Rolling Stones, one. And I might get these numbers messed up, but it was something crazy like this. But they took, when they were like really young, 17, 18 years old, they played music in these strip joints. For seven nights a week, for eight hours mm-hmm. at a time. Yeah, so they were playing fifty-six yeah. hours of music a week, and they did it for like four years. Something like that? Like, yeah, three, like four years. years. Yeah, and and everybody and you know they said that the Beatles weren't very good going into that, but they came out great.
1: Well, they got they, yeah. they got <laughs> they got rid of Pete Best, who's the most depressed drummer in the history of rock and roll. They brought in Ringo, and then some <laughs> things changed. <laughs> yeah, because you, man, I mean, seriously. Um, you would have to think that you would accidentally become better if you're doing that much of something, even if it's, you know, uh, yeah. hammering nails. It doesn't matter. You're yeah. going to.
2: Well, here's the thing, though. Like, you can get better at doing what you're doing. Yes,
1: yes. That's. that's but
2: the, 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 for me, like, when I taught, I said the, the goal of practice is not to do what you already can do. Because mm-hmm. if you already can do it, you're not going to improve by practicing that anymore. You have to do what you cannot yet do and practice that Mm -hmm. enough that you can do it. And that is tough because
0: you feel like a newborn baby, like your fingers don't even work. Yeah,
2: (laughs) I'm trying to learn how to play the piano. I I got a piano in, let's see, December of 19. I bought myself an electric piano because I've got a two-year-old little boy. Okay. Uh, And I was trying to think, when he turns three, I want him to learn how to play piano. I'm going to put him in lessons. So I thought, well, why don't I just go ahead and start learning how to play piano myself so that when he starts... I'll have a little bit of a head start, and it'll take him like three months to catch up to me <laughs> um, anyway. Um, so I practiced that quite a bit and I've, it's been almost two years now since I've had that and I've, I've improved a lot, but I improved a ton at first. And then I sort of, you know, it's sort of ramps off. Yeah. It's well, you, it, uh, you always hit plateaus, diminishing returns, you know, mm-hmm. um, but I still do it every, I did it. I was doing it right before I came here. I was practicing on my piano and, uh, I've, I've made leaps and bounds, but it's frustrating. Sometimes I'll try to learn, you know, I try to learn, I pick new songs or pieces and try to learn how to play them. And I'm learning by ear. I don't, I can read music very, very tiny bit, uh, mm-hmm. but I can't sight read piano music yeah. so. Hours. And uh, so, so I'm trying to learn by ear and sometimes it's so frustrating. I just want to throw things at the wall, you know, mm-hmm. um, but that's how you improve. So yeah, yeah. continue to do it. Yeah,
1: you know, you made a great point because I didn't think about it in the terms that you did as a guitar teacher is basically how you thought about it. And it makes a lot more sense. But when you are playing six nights a week, you're going to get better at the things you do. But is there really room for, or time? Uh, time to grow, to yeah. To grow as a musician. So it makes a ton of sense. You might be tighter as a band, but everybody's just probably playing on autopilot by the next time you're uh, in that city again, just because you're so hammered into what you're doing. But yeah, it makes sense that, Maybe you're not getting better.
2: For sure. When I play gigs, um, a lot of times, there's other things going on in my mind than what I'm actually doing. Oh, yeah. I'm playing the chords and singing the, singing the words, but I'm thinking about, did I go to the grocery today? <laughs> Do I need to put air in the time? <laughs> well, let's listen to some of your music.
1: Yeah.
0: How about, uh, is starting now the oldest tune I have here?
2: Uh. I don't know. I don't know either. To be honest with you. So, Let's let's start with that starting one. Starting Now is, is a song that I wrote with uh, Phil Bright and myself wrote it. And it's... Uh,
1: Episode 14, season one.
2: It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I, I I was listening to Starting Now
0: and I, was, I heard about 30 seconds and I'm like, where do I know this song? And then just that sound, you know, just, uh, it, it was just the, the, what I'd call the Phil Bright sound. Man. Uh-huh. And, uh, it might be Carl stuck. I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't know you till tonight. Certainly,
2: when we wrote that song, I think that was a second song we wrote together, maybe. Um, but he and I had mutual friends, and uh, he reached out to me. And you know, as you know, uh, maybe the listeners don't know, but Phil has a studio, and he reached out to me and said he wanted to uh, wanted a co writer to help write some of his songs. And so uh, I went. We wrote one the first day, and then that, I think that was our second song, and. For me, it was it was a nice outlet because I haven't done hard rock stuff in a really really long time, because um, most of what I do is is I don't know what you call it roots rock maybe or um, it's more throwback to like a Tom Petty style instead yeah. of a you know a hard rock style. Uh, yeah. So it was really fun for me to do kind of a hard rock thing because I still love it. I just don't play it. Um, so.
0: Um, I know you sung. You're the singer on this song, but did you play guitar also? I
2: did. We both okay. play guitar on it. I think there's probably a solo from each of us on there. And uh, anyway, it's a fun thing. It's just a side project that we do, and and it's just for fun.
0: Yeah, and and Phil is on on the left side, like Eddie Van Halen. And you're on the right, probably. <laughs> Probably. We do. He has kept that consistent with all of our songs. He's always on one
2: side I'm always on
0: the other. Yeah, I don't know. I remember him saying that. He said, I always put myself on the left because Eddie Van Halen always is. That's I didn't I, know that. I think it was the left. I didn't know that. You're You're probably that you right. That? Yeah. <laughs> Let's check it out. All right, all right. Starting now. <laughs>
2: Yeah. So here's what's funny about that. I've never heard that. That is is not the version of the song that we put out. Is that right? Did I send that to you? Yeah. (laughs) I have no. I've never heard that. That's not the right words. (laughs) (laughs) The the melody is different. (laughs) I don't know what that is. (laughs) I must have had that in a Dropbox. Like, and I just saw starting now and said. uh,
1: So, that's I like it. Funny. So Phil had
2: you come in to record, and I'm he totally changed because I'm like, oh no, is this like a demo version? that's going to sound bad? <laughs> it sounded good. Yeah, that's, I'm glad we caught you off guard. That is not at all the song. That's I mean, it, it's close, but um that's funny. Yeah. So who who is that? You and Phil, and who else? Uh, let's see. On that song, I think it's Greg Unthink playing drums. Um, and that would be it. I think I played the bass part. Uh, either Phil or I played the bass part, uh, and that's it. And Phil programmed some keys in there, probably.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: I thought I, I know Phil likes messing, uh, programming the drums too, or maybe not programming, but yeah, he said, he, he, said
0: he usually tries not to fool with drummers if he doesn't have to. Yeah. <laughs> so,
2: <laughs> so y'all must have had a good one. <laughs> we have had, uh, we had Greg play on one of our tracks. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's Greg. And then we had Rex Owen play on one of our tracks. Um, trying to think who else has played for us. That might be it. I don't know. I and that remember.
0: band was called Splintered Mind, Splintered right? Splintered Mind, yeah. And when yeah. when did you record that?
2: Gosh, that's probably three or four years old, I'm guessing. Okay. It's been a while.
1: And is that just like a fun thing to do?
2: It's just for fun. Is it? It's just a lot of fun. Um, We've actually got another song that's 90% finished and has been 90% finished for about a year and a half, <laughs> and uh we just never have time to finish it. Uh, really? And in, in fact, I mentioned to him the other, I'm going in the studio Sunday uh, to do some stuff of my own, and I talked to him about like when are we ever going to finish that song?
1: He's like, <laughs> "Is it just like bits and pieces?"
2: No, no, no. It's it's pretty much tracked. We no, gotta, I
1: mean that needs to be finished. Just yeah, a yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got
2: a. I have got I have not done a, a final vocal on it, Um so I need a final vocal. And we've changed, uh, there's a middle section that we changed that we need to fix. Um,
1: Does that require everybody to be there to do it for that change?
2: No. Okay. Sunday it is. (laughs) (laughs) No, Sunday I'm doing my stuff, so I don't know when we're going to get to that. Yeah.
0: um, So how far back do you and Phil Bright go? About that long, four years.
1: Okay. Oh, really? So was it uh, kind of a call out of the blue? It was. Did you know Phil before that? Did not.
2: No kidding. No, right. I showed up at his house to do it right. Uh that's how I met him. Right on. Um we but like I said, we'd known like he he would played in a band with Rex years ago, and I've known Rex since I was really young. And so we knew each other. The circles. You know, in the circle, but oh, we yeah. just didn't know each other, you know. Yeah.
0: So So you uh you started touring with uh with the band you mentioned to us a, a while ago. How long how long were you doing that type of uh heavy duty? Traveling.
2: I did that band for two years, I think. Uh, and then I came home and I was doing uh, a weekend band. that played like 30 Friday Saturdays. And I did that for a while while I was trying to finish college. And then uh, I don't, man, my grasp of time is pretty poor. Pretty poor. <laughs> uh, so I can't remember when I did what, but uh, <laughs> I, I moved to Vegas <laughs> for a summer. And then I came home and I played in another band from Indianapolis. That was a, we played Thursday through Sunday's and uh, travel around a lot and uh, like did a bunch of opening spots for, we did a lot of original stuff. So we did opening spots for bigger bands and uh, that band was called Under Fire. Uh, and I played in that band for a, for a year or two. And, and it all just gels together. In I my area. So it was,
0: People ask me how long ago something was. I couldn't tell you if it was 10 years ago or two years ago.
1: Yeah, so generally. me
2: too.
0: <laughs> so were you um, at
1: that point when you were, kind of, I wouldn't, not necessarily band hopping, but were you a guitar player for hire at that point? Pretty much. So when did, um, you know, writing your own stuff come into play?
2: I've always done that a little bit. Um, but, uh, I I say that I'm an imperfect perfectionist. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times I don't get things finished because I don't want... About 90% done is what I'm hearing. (laughs) (laughs) I never feel like anything's good enough for other people to hear, you know? Yeah. Um, own worst critic type of deal. It really is. I, I think I'm just now starting to change that mindset because um, I think the first song... Well, I put out a Christmas song. It was the first song I released under my own name. Uh-oh. Um, Which is called Elf Name Mom.
0: Um, yeah, we'll play that at the end of the podcast since this podcast is going to be right around Christmas. There you go.
2: And then... Uh, <laughs> and then I, but the next song I released is co- a song called... Uh, um, I can't... I'm horrible with the names of songs. Even my own... What's the, name, what's the name of that song? Uh, if, if Someday Never Comes is the name of that song. So when I put that song out, there are a bunch of things that right after I put it out, I was like, oh man, I wish I'd fixed this. and I, I wish I had inflected that word just a little bit differently. And But now it's been you know a few years since I put it out and I don't really care anymore because I don't listen to that song. <laughs> it's, I don't want to hear myself say <laughs> So I'm sort of like, I've, I'm sort of developing this mindset that when you record a song and put it out, it's almost like a picture. It's like a snapshot of where you were at that time in that place with that piece of art that you've made. Yeah. And and it might change. Like, I, I probably do it differently now. When I play it live, mm-hmm. I, I probably, I don't even know if I play it differently or not.
1: I mean, <laughs> example, starting, what is it? Starting point. Start, starting now. Starting now. I mean, uh, that obviously wasn't what it ended up being. No, it's and
2: <laughs> That's funny. I can't believe I sent that to you without listening to it. <laughs> you know, lesson it, learned. Uh, now I'm worried about the next song I sent you. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: you know, it's funny because we we talked about that um when we started this and it initially started with recording a song uh before there was ever a podcast. You know, Brad called down and said, Hey come here, I'm recording this song and come upstairs and check it out and we walked in it didn't look like this by any means <laughs> but uh once that was done and we kept a little upgrade here a little upgrade there you know the sound stuff and and you get to the point where you go all right so we can re-record these this guitar all right and then it's like all right man that sounds really good and then you're like okay well we can do this and then he'll get in edit and at, at some point you have to say we're not going to go back We're and dying. re-record anymore. That's yeah. it. <laughs> That's it. You,
2: you get, walk away.
1: It's that, really hard to do. It's so hard to do.
2: For it, me, I, I remember being in the studio at some point, and either Phil or somebody else that was there turned around and looked at me and said, "You realize that nobody on the planet other than you will ever notice that difference that you're like sweating over." Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Um, and it's something as simple as a, uh, you know, that hi hat right there is just not. Rock and write, you know, or Yeah. <laughs> some silly
0: little thing. Um Yeah. You get you get hyper focused on on details that your average listener's never gonna pay any attention to. Yep. Well and and maybe stuff that you're hearing that nobody else would hear. Like
1: you know, there's times where I'll go, Does that sound a little bit too high right there? Is It's like it just is it piercing? Like I don't know what, but after you listen to it seven thousand times for three hours, I bet sometimes a you know uh, hi hat does sound a little bit piercing to your ears. It's
2: it's one of these things like uh, there's in my living room. I'm gonna make an analogy because that's what I do in my living room. I redid our ceilings, and uh, when I painted it, I missed a spot, Mm. and it's not super obvious to anybody that walks in because I painted white over you know the white whatever was already up there. Yeah, and so it's just a really really subtle difference. But every time I walk in that room, I see that spot because it's about this big. And now it's been too long. If I paint it now, I have to paint the whole ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the one thing I notice. And that's the how I am thing, with yeah. songs, too. I'm like, the rest of the song might be great. But if that one thing, if I miss that one note just ever so slightly, or I sing it just wrong, or I played this something a little bit off. Uh, yeah, that's, that's what I notice about the song. I get and, where I got to readjust. You know,
0: like if I'm listening, I got I to gotta flip the switch and try to make myself listen as a listener. And not as a critic, you know, just as a
2: listener, what's this sound like right now? (laughs) Well, something I I used to, uh, so I used to work a real job. i worked in a casino and I took a six week leave of absence to try and make a record by myself. Like I was going to record it all. I was going to play all the parts. And I spent six weeks trying to get a guitar sound. (laughs) That's literally the truth. I spent six weeks trying to get my acoustic guitar sounding like Rod Stewart's acoustic guitar on Every Picture Tells a Story. Wonderful. And I remember telling myself, if you listen to I think that record's a, an amazing record, but when you listen to it, you can tell that they didn't even, they hadn't even like polished the songs. There are certain songs on that record where you can tell the bass player doesn't know the song yet. And he's just kind of fumbling around and yeah. there's a there's a, uh, a spot in one of his uh, big uh, songs. It, I don't think it's Maggie, but whatever other song is a big hit on that record. Anyway, there's a spot where the drummer quits playing and it's obvious that he wasn't supposed to quit playing there. He was supposed to play through because he quits playing again like two measures later. Um, and that was a hit song. And it doesn't bother me as a listener, but if I had been in the, that oh. recording, I would have mm-hmm. been
1: like, we got to fix that, well, man. It would have yeah. freaked you out. <laughs> yeah. a bit, it,
2: but it, I think that's part of the beauty of that record is that it's so human. And Not it's, perfect. All yeah. the mistakes are in there and it's and it's a great record.
1: Well, you know, you wonder because what you mentioned earlier, hearing that one little thing that drives you crazy as, as the performer... You know, there's these lifetime uh, soundtracks of Rolling Stones and Beatles and all these amazing artists. You wonder how many of their hits that they're like, I hate Can't that song, I hate that tone, <laughs> I hate the way the guitar sounds. Yep, and and
2: everybody else is like, are you? It's iconic.
1: But yeah. it, it
2: makes you wonder. Is like, is Tom Petty embarrassed by any of his lines? You know, does he Aww. listen to a song and go? God, I wish I hadn't written that line. That's so dumb. I imagine because I know I do. Yeah, <laughs> I'd imagine. And you know, but that's. If you
1: strip away what a song is, it's really corny poems with music. So I mean, you really kind of got to be uh, allow yourself to to say something that maybe you wouldn't necessarily say in a line of speaking, to to give yourself, I don't know, the rhyme scheme or whatever you're looking for, but I think in a song pattern, it's kind of okay to be corny. But it hurts sometimes to be corn. it's like, I, I know that's the line, but I do not want to write that line because that's the worst line in the world.
2: I, I don't do a lot of editing on my songs. Once I write them, I, I rarely go back and fix them. Mm-hmm. But there's almost always, almost every song I have, there's one line in it that I really like. And there's one line in it that I plan to change and never do. <laughs> like, oh, that's yeah. just a placeholder line. I've got to fix that. And then I don't fix it. Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> I, I got a good one. I actually changed the line in one of my old songs and can't remember it, so I just sing the old line all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it was really good, but I didn't write it down. It's written down somewhere, but at this point, who cares? Nobody's
0: listening to that song anyway. <laughs> I'm just wondering, Carl. You know, they they always say anything you do is going to become a job at some point. And as a full-time musician, do you have, uh, like, what's your daily routine look like to stay, stay on top of your profession. Um, do you have to
2: schedule things or how, how do you, how do you work with it? Well, I've got a two year old kid. <sighs> okay. And I, so I watch him during the day because my wife, uh, my wife is a nurse, so she goes to work. And, uh, so I'm at home with the kiddo at this point in time. um, and I don't remember what I did before that. <laughs>
0: no, no kidding,
1: dude. So now we know
2: um, why he's got to start playing piano at three because they got to practice music all day. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he keeps me on my toes. So my oh, yeah. typical day is getting up with him and he sleeps in. So he's, he usually gets up between sometime between 10 a.m. and 11. Nice. Oh, wow. Nice. So it's pretty nice. Nice. Um, so, I get up with him, and I make him breakfast, and uh, we hang out all day. And
1: Dude, um, that's, that's the uh, that's Sometimes the I can
2: squeeze in some piano practice because my keyboard, I keep sitting on my coffee table. So, I'll be in there with him, but uh, like today, I actually got out my camera and my, my phone and recorded him because I would start playing piano, and he'd come over and grab my hands and go, No! No, and he'd pull him off and then he'd walk away and I'd start again and he'd come over no (laughs) Uh, and I thought that was really cute and so I put up my camera and of course he didn't do it again after that but uh, (laughs) but so yeah and then uh, the wife gets home and I go do my job um
0: so, how, how many nights a week, you know, do you usually play out in public?
2: I probably average four nights a week. Okay. Sometimes more, sometimes less. And then sometimes I play, you know, like I'm, I've am i got something to do uh, this coming Wednesday. I'm playing in the afternoon for a few hours.
0: And mm. then, uh, Are these
2: exclusively solo performances? Or? Most of the time I do solo gigs, but not only. Uh, I'm also, I'm in a... Sticks tribute band. Oh, sweet! Yeah, uh, and I pretty much just play guitar in that band, sing some backing vocals. Um, uh, and I've we just started that within the last few months. Um, nice. What's the name of that band? It's called Grand Delusion.
0: Grand Delusion. Mm-hmm.
2: So G R A N, like the French spelling. Delusion.
0: Yeah. Oh, cool. Um,
2: so that's a really cool band. Um,
1: the tribute band thing is, it's a real legit, viable. Uh. I don't want to say business, but if Rolling Stones come to town, I, I can't pay the ticket price for right. Rolling Stones or Sticks or anybody like that that I would love to see. But and, and honestly, some of these tribute bands are better live performances now than the actual bands. They're younger, they're, they're
2: more energetic, they're excited about it. Um, and some of the actual bands are tribute bands. Foreigner. Yeah. Foreigner tours without any original members. Yeah. 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 Even Mick, jo- Mick Jones was the last original member, and he still does, I think he still does about half the shows, but mm-hmm. he subs out half the shows. <laughs> yeah. And they're great. They're a fantastic band. It's different. But it's not foreign. It's not foreign. It is. I already. mean, they're great. I, I love them. I've yeah. seen them live, and I- they're fantastic. Their singer is amazing. Um, but I want to see. Ed Gagliardi and mm. Ian McDonald or what was his name? Ian... I can't remember. Anyway, yeah. the guys, the actual foreigner guys. You know,
1: <laughs> I, it, uh, it, it, it makes you realize how uh, genius, and I'm not a big fan of Kiss, but Kiss was because you put makeup on. Yeah. You, put on you, you, almost, you don't know who those guys know. are. Yeah. You wouldn't know. <laughs> I mean, it could be, you don't know if you're looking at the right lineup or not, but yeah. if their face is painted right, you just saw a Kiss
2: show. Long as long you can find a 12-inch tongue. Um. Yeah, <laughs> but isn't it weird though that, that that you feel that way? Like it's not the original band, so even though it's just as good mm-hmm. um, or better, yeah. Well, Sometimes. you know,
1: it's probably something in the fact that you know you're it, you're you're advertising yourself as the band, but you're not the band. You're not the guys. You're not um what I heard on the recordings, and that, that makes that, I do think that would make a difference. Yeah. It,
0: it would. It would for me. I mean. Let's listen to a Carl Stuck tune. Let's do it. Talk about. Tell us about. You don't have to fight alone.
2: Did I send you that one? Oh, I must have sent you the live version, eh? Um, yeah, it is the oh, live well, version. Let's just, let's hope. Okay. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I wrote that song um, several years ago. I, uh, I, uh, I had a relationship end, and um, when it ended, I found out the person I was dating uh, had been using drugs, and I didn't know it. And uh, so I talked to her about it and I said uh, I basically asked her if she needed any help and um, she said no I got a good support system and I'm off it she had gotten addicted to pain pills anyway so that was sort of my I was singing to her okay Uh, that's what that was about I uh, I wanted her to know that even though we weren't together that she could count on me to help her if she needed it that's awesome All right.
3: Hiding in the shadows Cause you're feeling so afraid Faces all around you There's no one there to blame So you lock the pain down deeper Keep it from the world You Lie to keep your secret Trust nobody else to keep it Scared of getting hurt You don't have to fight alone And you don't have to face the world All on your own By your side, I'll be someone to confide in. You don't have to fight alone. Feels like something's taken over.
1: Yeah, man. Yeah. So that uh, is a live version that you recorded. With that, Philbright Studio is that right? Correct. All right. So tell us a little bit about the uh, stuck on the couch.
2: I'll, I'll tell you. So this is we started talking before the show, and yeah. they said save that story. <laughs> so so here is that story. So um, when COVID hit, I lost all my work because all the all the venues that I play had to close down, uh, and so I was trying to think how am I going to pay for my you know at at the time one year old son and mm. my wife was out of work at the time she wasn't working. I'm like, I gotta oh, provide wow. somehow. Yeah. So, um mm-hmm. so I thought, well, I'll do a Facebook live for the few weeks that this uh COVID <laughs> thing is going on. <laughs> and so I did a nightly Facebook thing and I just put a little virtual tip jar in my in my description and uh and it turned into uh because COVID didn't last three weeks, it kept going and going and going. So I, I did it wound up being three hundred and sixty-eight nights in a row. Are you kidding oh, me? Wow. You did three
1: hundred and sixty eight so nights. So what was night? In a night? A couple of hours or
2: I did a, usually an hour. Hour. Okay. Usually that an hour. in um, insane, wow. dude. Yeah. So, a um, year straight. A year straight. Yep.
0: I'm not on Facebook a lot, but,
2: d- d- so are those like saved? They're you do all those? archived. Okay. No yeah, kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can see cool. 300. And, well, I'm up to 400 and, what am I at? 415 oh, so you or kept now. it going. I don't do it every night now. I do yeah. once a week, typically. Um, that's so, crazy. That's awesome, man. Yeah. But, but anyway, so uh for my two hundredth episode, I decided I'm gonna do it live from the studio. And so I went to Phil Bright's and I did my Facebook Live from his studio and recorded this record. Oh man. Yeah. Oh wow. So that's the that's the Facebook Live so record. So the you have a
1: live live on the couch. It's a one and two. Is that all? Stuck on couch. I just had to use two CDs because okay. there was
2: there was too much time to to cram onto one.
1: I mean, and seriously, dude, we're not talking like we're looking at what, thirteen tracks on one, eighteen tracks on another, and it looks like a little bit of dialogue in between. There's some dialogue, but, sure. I, I mean, tell. when you're live, so there's I mean, there's twenty something songs on there.
0: That's crazy. On that live show. So. Uh, I can't wait to listen to this. Wait.
1: You <laughs> only brought one of each. <laughs> yeah, so but they brought some to- tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I might have yeah. another pair out there. Man. Well, I'll put them on my computer. Yeah, I'll put them on yeah, the computer.
2: Yeah. I never know who listens to CDs anymore, you Oh, know? Dude, yeah. Well, I don't. I, I'm a, you know, I listen to a Spotify. I
3: yeah. just I, I just gave up, I usually uh,
0: put them in my computer one time, rip them, and then then I have them on my computer yeah. from that point on.
3: But right, let me tell you a funny
0: on,
2: is this on Spotify? It is not. No. Then I need the CD. I decided <laughs> not to put that on Spotify because so Gosh, there's so many things I can talk about. Before my wife got pregnant, I was planning on starting to do uh, house concerts. I don't oh, know if cool. you guys yeah. are familiar oh, yeah. with the house concert scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's an all original scene kind of thing. You know, uh-huh. you don't go in there and do covers. Um, so I was planning on doing a, a, a house concert tours, like to make my living. And so I wanted to have something to offer at the house concerts if COVID ever ended. And I decided to continue to do that, that you can only get at my house concert.
1: Mm. Um, yeah
2: exclusive. So, so that's one of the reasons why I'd never put it up. I might uh, I probably will put it up eventually, but it's not up yet. No, but let not. me tell you a funny story about the song you just heard. Okay. Um I've I've got that one half done in the studio as well. <laughs> but before COVID started, I was going to bring in uh I had a high school choir that was going to come in and sing Shut for me. Up. Um and uh I don't know if I should tell the whole story, but um Sure. The choir director got in trouble for something,
1: uh, and wound up getting fired. You can't mess with kids, choir director. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm just kidding. You know, you know the choir director, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> anyway,
2: so then COVID happened, and I'm like, well, I can't get a group of people into the studio during COVID because, especially, it's singing a group of people yeah. singing loudly to each other. So it's kind of been on the back burner, but um, so that's my yeah. She wound up uh, the, the choir director got in trouble for. Uh, her and her, her, one of our students got uh, too um, close.
1: Too many vocal lessons. <laughs> That's oh, awful. Man. So I lost my choir. Well, that sucks for the, the song. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll,
2: I'll eventually finish it. I'm sure
0: Phil could put a choir together,
1: you you know, know, I, a virtual well, choir. A, a
2: virtual I, I want. Choir? I just really wanted to have a real choir. Yeah. You know?
0: Oh, dude,
1: that'd be Because cool. it sounds
2: so much different than just overdubbing a bunch of voices. Which, yeah. Which, you know, any of us can do, but...
1: Um, All right, so a uh, question uh, with the... Did these come out at the same time? Okay, I see. It's all one picture. I was like, they're a little bit different on the back. They're really not. It's all.
2: (laughs) Is it? It is. I think it's it's a different. It's slightly different, but it still looks like you can put them together and it's the same sky. That's what I wanted. That's what you got. Same concept. All right. It's just part one and part two. I I thought instead of releasing a double album,
1: Mm
2: -hmm. I didn't want to price it out of anybody's possibility if they don't want to pay the double album fee to get one or the other, you know? So, have you started uh, living room shows? Is that something you've got into? I have not yet. I uh, actually started to book one, and then something came up, and I couldn't do it. Um, so, I haven't done them yet. But Is that, still, still on the table. Still, something you're going to do? Still, my in my in my plan in my grand scheme.
1: So, are you back to uh, pretty much four, three, or four nights a week playing? Pretty yeah. much. Oh, yeah. Good. Pretty much.
2: Yeah.
1: And, and was it one of those things where you got a lot of the phone calls from the original places that you were playing, and yeah, just yeah. kind of picked mm-hmm. right back up where you were? Yep are those like weekly gigs that are sitting gigs or are you always constantly searching for new places and things like that? I do
2: both. So there are some, you know, I've I've got a regular, uh, I do every other Tuesday at Diamond Pub and I do uh, second Friday of every month at Exchange Pub and Kitchen and I do third Sunday of every month at Huber Winery. Oh, Sweet. Yeah. So I've got a lot of that and then I've got like things that I just plug in. To my well, I mean,
1: that's got to be nice for the people that, that know you and want to come see you too because they know, all right, look, our jam is the winery on the third, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. you know, so-and-so of every month and they can just do that. Yep. Do you have a lot of built-in crowds when it comes to that of those specific venues that are coming? Like, yeah. hey, I'm going to go see mm-hmm. you here because sure, it's right by the house. And yep. That makes it
0: awesome, man. Yeah, it's cool. Get to know, know your listeners. Oh, Your absolutely. fans. It, it's fun. Yeah. yeah. Let's listen to "Best Revenge." Tell us about that one. The Nana song.
2: Yeah, the Nana song. The nana song. <laughs> uh, I tell people I had a, a broken heart and a chord progression. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, this song, the Nana song, is a. Uh, um, it is about uh, uh, a relationship going bad, and you trying to take the high road, and uh, um, you know, happiness is the best revenge. You know.
0: Ah, okay Perfect I
3: used to spend my days dreaming up ways That I could rectify your slight When I'd go to bed inside my head Those daydreams kept me up all night Under my skin, cause I've got better things to do. But I've still got these five words to say to you. Knowing you, it'll hurt just a little.
1: Dude, that right there is a oh yeah. I hope you take this the right way. (laughs) That is like a a a teen pop song hit. Like I could see some little girl. (laughs) I'm serious. I could see some like you know the old Christina Aguilera that hook. Yeah, dude, that that hook is insane. Yeah, thank you. It really is. It's catchy as hell, and I could see that being like a an anthem, a summer anthem by some (laughs) like legit pop. Person or group. From
2: your mouth to God's ears, I'm baby. I'm telling you,
1: man, make it happen. I, that that <laughs> one is... Is everyone the crowd sings with you?
2: Sometimes. One of, one of my, so the, one of my happiest moments ever um, playing was um, I have a friend who lives in Phoenix who, when he comes to town, he's, he's from this area. He's from somewhere in Indiana. I can't remember. It's not New Albany, but somewhere over there um, in that area. And when he comes to town, he always books a gig. And he just puts together a band. He'll bring a couple of people with him, and then he'll uh, put together a band and play gigs.
1: Oh, wow. Um,
2: and he always does that. And this last time he came home, which was just a couple of months ago, uh, he asked me to play with him. And so we did one of my songs, one of his songs, and one of the, uh, another guy in the band's songs. And that's the song that I chose to play of mine. And they all sang that <laughs> at that spot. Uh, the, the whole crowd was singing it back, and it was... Pretty amazing. It almost brought uh, tears to my eyes. No, uh, man. Um,
0: I could just see, you know, you hear this song one time, and the next time you're gonna have to go. Nah, nah,
1: nah, nah, na. oh, dude. I mean, <laughs> it's 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 catchy. I'm telling you, dude. That's that's. Just- those type of songs, Katy Perry type stuff, dude. Yeah. You know where I it's wish. just...
2: I wish Katy Perry would cut it. Hey, <laughs> hey Katy, you Katie? listening? No, nope, she's not. <laughs> Even if it wasn't a hit, I'd be able to say, oh,
1: Katy. Yeah, Katy. Sweetie. Hey, cut that song, would you? <laughs> <laughs> you can have the royalties.
2: Wait, wait a second.
0: <laughs> oh, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, Carl, you've talked about some of the places you play and people can go hear you, so uh, before we leave here also tell our listeners where they might be able to find you on the socials and your Facebook live things and all your music and all that stuff
2: I think Facebook it's Carl Anthony Stuck Uh, Instagram same thing I've got a website which is just carlstuck.com can you um, link to all your socials through carlstuck.com I believe so yeah Okay. you should be able to that's that's nice and you can stream all my songs like even the the live record Uh you can stream it on my website for free you can just listen
1: and the actual, I mean, shoot, you could see in the Louisville recording company doing that, right? What's that? The, you can actually see you in Phil Bright studio recording these albums on On Facebook Live. And, oh, on oh, number yeah, yeah. 200. On number Episode 200. 200. If you,
2: if you dig, dig back all the way to number 200, you can watch it.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's pretty amazing. There. No, no kid. Yeah. That's awesome. Of course,
2: it won't sound like the record because we recorded it into, you know, into an actual recording gear. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was not what was broadcast on the Facebook Live. On the Facebook Live, you're just hearing my phone. Oh, really? Oh, okay. okay. Which is how, that's how I, uh, some of the guys that did the live streaming, like, used interfaces and all that stuff, but I did not. Yeah. I chose, because I felt like it was a more personal connection if you just do it as if I'm sitting on the couch with my phone.
1: Yeah. yeah. For sure. Um,
2: so, that's yeah. how I did that whole thing. And,
1: and especially during that time, man, any type of connection you could feel, you it, wanted to It strip. was
2: amazing. I yeah. mean, I, I would have never continued to do it as long as I did if it hadn't been for, the people who became regulars watching me every, every single... They came in every really? day. And, uh, and I felt like I can't let these people down. Yeah. Um, because none of us had anything to do. Uh-huh. You know, we were all stuck in our houses. <laughs> true. Yeah. Well, Man, and you were playing for a
1: crowd and you were at home too. That's so cool, especially when you have a brand new baby. It really
2: did literally feel like sitting on the couch, just talking to friends and mm-hmm. playing music. Um, right, so, which is funny. So, the, uh, and I've told this story before, but the very first one I did... I was nervous as hell. Really? And I don't ever get nervous when I play music, but, and it was just me and a car, you know, in my phone. <laughs> I'm like, how in the world am I sweating and nervous? <laughs> um, but I, I don't know what it was, but after doing it a few days, it's, I sort of settled in and uh, it just became like second nature. Did you find
1: that people that uh, have listened to the live stream and maybe not people that were coming to your shows before, have showed up at a show since everything's kind of opened back
2: up? A few, but a lot of, uh, it's strangely, uh, a lot of people that watch my show very regularly were not even from around here.
1: Really? Well, that's great. Yeah. That's great.
2: Yeah. So, um, people that, Arkansas, Pennsylvania, there's somebody that well, that's from cool. uh, yeah. Texas. Um, the good side of Facebook. Yeah, it, it really. No it, I mean, it was really neat. I, I I met a lot of. I did a. I did a. And you know, I didn't only do my streams. I also did some additional streams for, mm. like there was a an online festival that I played, and there was a, a number one tequila had a number one mm-hmm, That's I, a Ron White's tequila. It right is, everybody. Yeah, yeah. I did a stream for them. Oh, they awesome. they did a music series streams um for a while, and they for all I know they're still doing it. But um, but yeah, they brought me a bottle of tequila, and, oh. and, I, and I streamed from the couch for them, and like there's a, a one lady that watched me a lot ever since then because she found me on the wrong, on the uh, number 1 tequila oh, thing. Cool. So it's just re- it's been really neat t- to uh I'm really super glad that I did it because I I found a lot of people that would have never found me any other way, mm-hmm. you know. Uh,
1: um, just the dedication to do that too, man. That's it shows a lot. of, It's just spectacular to me. Uh, yeah
0: man, we appreciate you sitting around and talking with us for an hour. Oh, it's, been a, to, it's been a blast. We're going to ask you to stick around and do some one-shots oh, now. Oh, yeah. Now that uh, you liquored me up. <laughs> you
2: liquored us up. What are you talking
3: about?
0: <laughs> so you had a little fun doing a, a Christmas tune, and this this podcast
2: is coming out right around Christmas, so tell us about that, and we'll go out with it. All right, so I have a songwriting group uh, that I hosted uh, that uh, basically we would... We'd come up with a line or a phrase and everybody would write a song to it. Uh, And we met once a month and we'd play each other songs. And this particular month, uh, whatever month um, that we wrote the songs, uh, the word was December. You just had to use the word December in your song somewhere. And I wound up writing this silly little Christmas song um, that you're about to hear and it's called An Elf Named Mo and it's about an elf that uh, is a hard working Christmas elf and uh, <laughs> yeah I played it for my then girlfriend's kids uh, who were at the time I think five and eight or six and nine something like that and they loved it so I thought well if they like it maybe other kids will like it maybe I should record it so I did there you go and, uh, and that's, that's the rest of history
0: all right An Elf Named Mo all right Carl thanks thanks for having me fellas. Amen. absolutely
3: Happened at an airport last December, just after Christmas Day had come and gone. A short man on vacation started up a conversation, and he told a tale I'd like to pass along. He said this Christmas season nearly killed him with work related stress this time of year. He said that I would doubt it, but he'd tell me all about it if I'd buy us both a frosty glass of cheer. You said you may believe in Santa, the workshop, reindeer, elves, and ho, ho, ho. But at the top in Santa's shop, in charge of shipping is an elf named Ro. He asked if I had ever once considered The nightmare of logistics for St. Nick How does Santa know which toys are for which girls are for which boys Unless somebody loads and labels for the trip? I chuckled as he went on with his story The details that he gave were quite concise He said sometimes for kicks he'd change the labels on the gifts But he would never switch a naughty for a nice He said you may believe in Santa The workshop, reindeer, elves, and ho-ho-ho But at the top in Santa's shop In charge of shipping is an elf named Ro. probably believe it's all a tall tale. But every word I swear to you is true. The moral of the story is that those who get the glory often have some help from folks you never knew. We know you know you may believe in Santa, the workshop reindeer elves in Ho Ho But at the top in Santa's shop, in charge of shipping is an elf named Mo. At the top in Santa's shop In charge of shipping is an elf In charge of shipping is an elf named Mo